Well, how many of you uh, have um, experienced worry? How many of you have? I should have said uh, something. I mean, you know, worry is just a part of life anymore, right? Worry has become the new norm for us, right? Worry. Uh, we've got so many things going on in society, in our culture, in this day and age, but it's nothing new. I mean, there's always been things to worry about. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, even when I was young, you know, when I uh, would get ready to go to school and have a test, my stomach would start hurting and I'd have all kinds of problems. And finally, my parents took me into the doctor. You know what I had? A nervous spasmodic stomach. I would get nervous about the test and my stomach would begin to hurt because I was worrying, even at an early age, worrying. You know, and it doesn't really change, you know, you go through life, you know, uh, take, take today, for example. You know, I'm speaking to a, a, a bunch of folks. I'm not sure how you guys are going to take it. I'm not sure if you'll ever come back again. You know, uh, I'm not sure if my zipper's up so I keep my coat closed. You know, there's all these things to worry about uh, that, as you go through life, you know. But, you know, I was really encouraged this morning. Our senior pastor, David, he sent me a note of encouragement, a little short note, and then the last thing he said was, don't mess it up. <laughs> Back to worry, right? And so worry, worry's become the new norm. Uh, you know, uh, we have expectations in life that we're trying to live up to. You know, your expectation of being a good father, being a good employee, being a good whatever, being a good husband, being a good wife being a good son, being a good daughter, being a patriotic American, being uh, the, the person that everyone, everyone you believe thinks that you should be. And we worry about those things. And then, the, then there's the storms of life that come in on top of all that, right? There's, uh, there's elections and pandemics, for example, to worry about. And there's, uh, you know, there's the stress of finances and there's the stress of on and on and on and on it goes. So wor worrying is kind of a normal in our society today, isn't it? But as believers, worrying is not supposed to be the normal for you and for I. Worrying is not something that should be a, a, a normal part of our everyday life, but yet as Christians, many times, in light of that, we still worry, don't we? And so today I just want to take a little bit of time to go through some scriptures that deal with the issue of worry. Because worry can do all kinds of things in your life, right? It can rob you of joy. It can rob you of peace. It can rob you of happiness. It can rob you of your health and can cause all kinds of damage in your life. And it's not what God intends for us as believers. And so we're going to look at a text this morning in Luke chapter 12. And we're going to read just two verses. And then I'll, I'll talk about some of the other verses. But we want to focus on these two. Luke chapter 12, verse 25 and 26 says this. And this is Jesus talking. And he's been giving a lot of instruction throughout these, this uh, scripture here to his disciples on different topics. And he picks up this particular topic of worry. And he says in verse 25, And which of you by worrying can add a day to his lifespan? Therefore, if you cannot do even a very little thing, why do you worry about other things? And so Jesus is putting things here into perspective for his disciples who, he, who he's teaching and who are following him and have been around him now for some time and have seen him uh, do things like uh, calm the sea, walk on water, heal people, feed multitudes. Uh, he has demonstrated the reality of what we're going to look at today, that he's in control. 
and that God is in control of the circumstances of life all around them. But yet, people worry about things in their life that they cannot control, that they have no power to control, that they have no influence over, no ability to change, and yet they exert great energy and effort worrying about those things. And so, as believers, if we're not supposed to worry, how do we deal with this issue of worry? Because again, we're bombarded. We're bombarded with news. We're bombarded with issues. We're bombarded with negativity. We're bombarded with criticism. We're bombarded with all kinds of things that, again, drag us into the mode of being worried about life. And so from this text, we can learn some things about how to handle worry. The first thing that we can realize from Matthew chapter, or Luke chapter 12 is that we need to realize who's in control of our situation and of our future. Earlier in this chapter, Jesus again is teaching his disciples and he gives the example of a guy who thinks he's in control of everything. And it's a man who is a farmer, who is doing really well, who has had great crops, who is, uh, has the uh, ability uh, to build barns and store up more thinking that he will take care of his future, that he will handle the situations of life, that he's in charge and he's in control and he's going to build up barns He's going to sit back, take it easy, and enjoy life because he's going to fix everything, right? How many times do we go through life thinking that we can fix everything and that we're in control, and if I just figure this out, and if I can just make this work and make this happen, uh, if I can just find the answer, if someone will just uh, do this for me, sometimes we look to do it ourselves, and sometimes we look for someone else to take care of the situation for us, if I can just find the resource uh, if I can just have the strength, if I can just have the clarity uh, and, and, and the work ethic and on and on and on it goes, we fill, uh, we fill those lines up with things that gives us the false sense of the fact that we are controlling something and that we're in charge of something and that we have the ability to take care of something. It doesn't mean that we don't do what we can do, but the reality here is who's really ultimately in control and that's what we need to realize and recognize. We can do all kinds of things and we can make all kinds of plans, but the reality is everything is in the hands of God. God is in control. We've been studying in the book of Isaiah in Sunday school class about the sovereignty of God, and we've gone over that many times because it's a theme there. God is the one who's in control. God is the one who has determined what's going to happen in my life and in your life. He has a plan for us as his children and as believers, and that is being executed out in our life day by day. It is, again, not something that is willy-nilly, that is uh, not orchestrated by the sovereign, determined will of Almighty God. And that's what the case was in the, in the situation of the man with the barn here, who said, you know what, I'm just going to store this all up. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to secure my future, and then I'm going to take it easy. And then what was the, what was the outcome of that, that bigger barn mentality of controlling your own future in life? Here's the outcome. Verse 20 says this, but God said to him, you fool. This very night your soul is demanded of you, and as for all that you have prepared, who will own it now? So you can go through life making plans and determining what your future will be and the outcome of your life. But the reality is, again, it is God who's in control. And whenever we take our focus off the fact that it is God who provides, it is God who is in charge of our life, it is God's will that is best for our life, we are foolish in the way that we are behaving. 
as believers especially, when we try to take control from a, a, a God instead of trusting God, right? Instead of trusting God with our future and with the circumstances of our life, it is a very foolish thing for a believer to do. Replacing our dependency on God with a dependency on self or something other than God is just frankly for the believer very foolish. Verse 21 says this, such is the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich in relationship to God. So again, when we think that we can take control and that we can be in charge, we are diminishing our relationship with a God who loves us who, according to his word, is working all things for our good according to his purpose and plan for our life. And we are shortchanging ourselves in the relationship that we have with him. When we don't trust God, we lose out on the peace that passes understanding, right? When we don't trust God, we uh, take on ourselves a stress that we were never meant to bear, we take on for ourselves a pain that we were never meant to carry. Uh, Jesus said it this way, take my yoke upon you for it is light and easy. That's what God intends for the believer, that we allow him to bear the load, that we allow him to determine the outcome, that we allow him to be in charge of the situation. You know, again, uh, in our society today, in the circumstances we find ourselves in, and I've mentioned this before too, but we have a grand opportunity to demonstrate to the world what it looks like to trust God. Because right now, everybody is pretty shook up and worked up about what's going on. And if we are worked up and shook up just like the rest of the world, there is, again, no, we're not being salt and light to the community that we live in. And we're not demonstrating the reality of our faith in God. Amen. And so, again, as believers, we have this grand opportunity to trust God, to trust God with the election, to trust God with COVID-19, to trust God with our kids' education, to trust God with uh, our finances, to trust God with uh, our health, to trust God with on and on and on and on it can go. We have the opportunity to demonstrate real faith in the God that we say that we love and, and in the God that we say that we are trusting for our eternity but sometimes we fail again to trust him with our today. And so it is a foolish thing, according to scripture, for us not as believers to trust God. And it is uh, uh, damaging to our relationship with God. And so here's what we need to do. We realize who's in control of our future, that it's God. And then secondly, we need to do this. We need to recognize that worrying about what is beyond our control accomplishes nothing. Verse 25 says again, and which of you by worrying can add a day to his life span? Now, what is Jesus saying there? He's saying, you know, you, you can't even alter or change one day of your life in light of all of eternity that I'm in control of. Why would you, why would you think that 
in the light of the fact that you can't alter even one day of your life that you would be able to handle changing all the things that come your way throughout your life? Have you ever been able to determine one single day of your life that it would be exactly the way you determined it would be? No, you cannot. I'm going to tell you what happens to me. Every time I make plans, it seems the opposite takes place in my life. I think sometimes God, God enjoys just kind of like demonstrating to us the reality of the fact that he's in charge, right? So you, make, you can make all these plans. You can have all these ideas. You can map it out. You can detail it out. You can plan it out. You can put it in your planner. You know, I have a 2020 planner for all the activities at the church. You know what I have to do with most of 2020's planner? I had to erase it. We all use pencils because we change things around so much based on what's going on. Uh, we don't even write it in pen, most of us, in our planners because we know that more than likely it will not go, life will not go according to our plans. But that's okay because you know what? I know whose plan it is going according to, Amen. right? And so we can take a hope in that. So the first thing we do is recognize that worrying about what is beyond our control accomplishes nothing. We can't impact one day of our life is the illustration that Jesus is giving us. And so why are we trying to control all the rest of our life if we can't even control a single day? The other thing that we need to recognize is that recognize worrying about what we cannot control is Ill, for a believer is illogical and irrational because we know who's in control right? We know that the sovereign God of the universe, I, I use this example a lot in class. This is the God, the all-powerful God who said, let there be light. I always think about that. And there was light, right? It is the God who is in control of all things. And so for us as believers, knowing that, knowing that this is the almighty God who created you and I, who is at work in our life, who has a plan to redeem us and make us his own throughout all time and eternity, is in control of our life, why would we think that we need to take control from God? See, that is what sin is all about, trying to be in control of our own life instead of surrendering to the will of God. And it is a detriment, it is illogical, it is irrational for us. In light of what we know about God, in light of the fact that we know that he loves us, right? He loves us with that everlasting love. No greater love, we talk about many times in class, no greater love than this, than that a man would lay down his life for his friends. That's the kind of love that God demonstrated into my life and into your life. Isn't it not irrational then to think, that we should control our lives, our destinies, our directions versus the guy who has all the power to do it and is doing it out of a mode of love for me and for you? It is irrational. It is illogical for the believer to worry about what's going on in their life. It doesn't mean that we don't have care and concern for the situations that are going place. What it does mean is that in those situations, we look to God for the answer not a president, not a pastor, not a family member, not our own selves. We look to God. That's what Christians should be doing when they face the circumstances of their life. 
he goes on to say, therefore, you cannot do even a very little thing. Change one day of your life is what we're referring to. Why do you worry about other things? Why do you worry about other things? That's the question we as believers are being asked by the Lord Jesus here. Why do we worry about other things in light of who God is? Why? And so he goes on to say this, that we need to refocus on who is in control If we don't want to worry, if we don't want to be like the lost world who doesn't acknowledge the fact and the reality that God is in control, then what do we need to do? We need to, again, realize some things, recognize some things, and refocus on some things. Refocus on who is in control and what he is doing. Let me give you a few more verses. He says, and he said to his disciples in verse 22, for this reason I tell you, do not worry about your life. That's a direct instruction from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, do not worry about your life. And then he breaks it down for them in the most simplistic terms that they can understand. He says, as to what you're to eat. So we're worrying about all these big things. He's saying, don't even worry about your next meal. Why? Because God has everything under control. We can rest in the reality that God is in control of our lives and he cares for us to the point where we don't even have to worry about the next meal that we're going to eat. He says, uh, he says this, as to what you're about to eat, nor to your body. And then he gives a, a simple example about our bodies. He said, not even about what you're going to wear, where you're going to get your clothes from, right? See, I mean, God is at work to meet the most simple needs of your life. But my God shall supply what? All of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That is a promise from God to me and to you that he will meet the very essence of our needs down to what we wear and what we eat. So why can't we trust him with the other things in our life if he's meeting even the most basic needs for me and for you. Trust. You know, this whole thing, uh, this whole relationship thing that God is having with us, you know, it's it's, it's not some God off in the distant, far off galaxies that kind of just looks down and does some benevolent things for those uh, that he's created on occasion. This is an intimate God who is aware of our each each and every one of us, right? And our needs that we have. And he is there to meet the needs of his children. And sometimes we forget that reality. Sometimes we go through life living as if God doesn't care. And he does. And we can trust him. And he is in control. And he loves us. Right? And so we, we, we want to recognize, again, and refocus on what he's doing. He says an example for them so that they can understand. He said, consider the ravens, that they neither sow nor, sow nor reap. They have no storeroom nor barn, and yet God feeds them. And I, I watch YouTube videos sometimes. I've almost given up on most TV, and, uh, uh, but I like YouTube because I can select 
the topic of what I want to watch, right? And so there's this guy, his name is Martin. My dad and I both watch him. He's, and he's an older guy, and he's got a, an old cabin that he has bought years ago, and he goes and he stays in that cabin, and he skis around, and he tr walks trails, and he does all kinds of things. And it's just like a little glimpse into this very peaceful retirement that he has. And one of the things that he does is there's some Canadian gray jays that fly around his cabin, and he has been there so much and interacted with them so much that they will fly into his hand and take food out of his hand, and he will feed them every day. He makes pancakes for them every day just, again, uh, to take care. You know what? Uh, God is using Martin to feed some Canadian jays in the woods because God is taking care of even the birds and their needs God is in control of not just my need and your need, but he is in control of all need. And he meets the needs of even the birds. And then he goes on to finish that statement in that little context there so that we can understand. He says this, how much more valuable you are than the birds. God feeds the birds, but God's son died for you right? How much more valuable are you and I in the eyes of God in the relationship to the needs that we have? After all, he's meeting our greatest need, and that is the need of a Savior, right? He's meeting our greatest need, our sin issue that separates us from him. He is meeting that need. Why would he not meet our other needs? He does. We just need to trust him. So he goes on to give some more examples. He says, now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you? So again, God is giving an example they can all understand. It is God who makes grass grow. Grass that has a short lifespan, grass that can be used to make bricks that can be burnt up in a furnace that has that withers away in the winter, uh, but God still uh, works and provides the grass on a small scale. Again, he's talking about minute things that God is paying attention to and that God is in control of, but yet he's there. And then he gives us a rebuke and he gives his disciples a rebuke. He says, oh, you of little faith. See, that's really what it comes down to when we worry. It's a lack of faith. When we take upon ourselves to worry about the situations of our life, we are saying, in essence, God, I do not trust you. Right? That's what we're saying. And again, Jesus rebukes us for this. He says, oh, you of little faith. Faith, again, is about us trusting God. We put faith in him and his work on the cross again for our eternity. Will we put our faith and trust in him for our today, for our right now, for our country, for our children, for whatever the issue is that we're worrying about? Will we trust him? Will we demonstrate the reality of an active living faith in the God that we say is our God? Right? And so he goes on here. He says, for all these things, oh, let me say, he says, and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink. He repeats again, and he says this, and do not keep worrying. 
So for the believer, that's the charge from the lips of Christ. Pay attention to the reality of the work that God is doing in our lives. Pay attention to the fact that he's the one who's sovereign and in control. And do not keep worrying. I know it's hard to do. I worry. I do. But every time I worry, I think about the fact that I'm not trusting God. Because that's what God's word has said to me. That's what God's word is saying to you. Every time we worry about circumstances beyond our control, we're saying, God, I'm not trusting you. I've got to figure this out for myself. And we got to stop doing that because God has it under control. God has every single circumstance of your life. He said you're, he knows the, the number of hairs on your head. He's intimately uh, uh, in relationship with you to the point he understands the number of hairs on your head. Your days are numbered by the Lord. He's already got it mapped out. He's already got it figured out. He's already got it worked out exactly how long you're going to be here and what your life is going to look like completely. And so again, we need to demonstrate that faith. And then he goes on to give us some assurance. Well, first he says, for all these things are what the nations of the world eagerly, eagerly seek. And so in other words, the lost world, you know, they're trying to figure it out without God. That's not the way that we roll. And then he goes on to give us an assurance. He says, and your father knows that you need these things. So that leads us to this point. Do we think, again, an omniscient God doesn't know what we need in our life today. He does. He knows what we need. And we go back to the, the promise. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He's not running out. It's, you know, uh, you remember watching the old... Um, the old cartoons in the old days of Santa Claus, you know, and he's going through his bag and, you know, his bag's going to get empty. He's got to go get another bag. God's bag doesn't run empty. It is full of everything that we need. God can meet all of our needs at any time, any place in our life, and he does. And so we can rest in that. It's a grand thing for a believer. So we need to refocus not only on what God is doing in our lives, but we need to focus, refocus on what we should be doing in light of the fact that God is in control. We need to refocus as believers on what we should be doing in light of the fact that God meets our needs and that he's in control of our life. Verse, uh, let me give you this, 31 says, it says this. This is a continuation of where he just left off. He says, but seek his kingdom and these things will be provided for you. We need to refocus on the things of God and the work of God that's going on in our life. We get so wrapped up in what's going on in our own lives that we lose track of the fact that God is at work doing something greater than what we could ever imagine for us. I have not seen or ear heard what God has prepared for those who diligently seek him. God is doing a bigger work and we need to refocus on the work that he's doing. His kingdom. You know, this life is but as a vapor, the Bible tells us. It's going to be over. And it is, again, a life that leads to eternal life, right? This is the life where we prepare for the next life. And so, again, we need to be busy about seeking his kingdom. And we won't be worrying then about what's going on in this kingdom. If our attention and our focus is on the things of God, then we won't be swept up 
in the negativity that comes from a fallen world that we are bombarded with every day, right? And get caught up uh, thinking and acting like somebody who doesn't understand the kingdom of God. And so we need to focus on the things of the kingdom of God. And God will meet our needs in this life. He says, and these things will be provided to you. Then he gives us another word of encouragement. He says, do not be afraid, little flock, because your father has chosen to give you the kingdom. We're almost out of time, but I want you to realize what God is doing. What's the ultimate end game for you and for me? His kingdom. With him for for all of eternity. He has, again, something prepared for you and I that goes beyond uh, any hardship, trial, or tribulation we may ever face in this life. God has prepared for us a kingdom. In my Father's house are many mansions, are abodes. If it were not so, I would have told you. And if I go, I prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also, he said, right? And so God is, again, at work building for us a future that we don't have to worry about. He says, This is how you should live your life in light of that truth. Sell your possessions and give to charity. Make yourselves money belts that do not wear out and and inexhaustible treasure in heaven where no thief comes near, nor does a moth destroy. In other words, our focus shouldn't be on building our kingdoms here, but on building his kingdom there. Why do we put effort and energy into things that have no lasting value Put your focus where it belongs as a believer. And then the last part of our text is this. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So now we're back to when we're trusting God, it's a matter of affection. Do we love him enough to trust him? As believers, do we love him enough to focus on what's important to him instead of focusing on on what's important to us. Worry will destroy your life if you let it. Trust God with your tomorrow the way you trust him with your eternity. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful for how it speaks to us. Lord, we are thankful for the fact that, God, you are in control of our every circumstance and that we can trust you with Lord, not only our today, our tomorrow, but our eternity. And Lord, I pray that you will speak to hearts today and that folks in this room hearing this message will trust you and put their faith in you to a level they never had before. And we ask this in your name. Amen.